It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Another week, another call. NBC News confirming that President Trump called Georgia's chief elections investigator to, quote, find the fraud, saying that official would be, quote, a national hero. This President Trump personally called Georgia's lead in elections investigator and demanded that person produce evidence which didn't exist and, quote, find the fraud adding that if they did so, they would be a, quote, national hero. The Washington Post reported yesterday that President Trump called a Georgia election investigator and pressured him to, quote, find the fraud. And President Trump apparently pressured an election investigator to find the fraud. Again, not the phone call out of Georgia, another one. We now know of um, a second, there's so much, uh, a second call from President Trump to Georgia officials about trying to overturn the election. Uh, he reportedly told uh, an elections investigator in Cobb County to, quote, find the fraud, and then that person would be a national hero. Trump making that call was essentially interfering in an active investigation when he asked the top investigator to, quote, find the fraud, saying that that official would be a, quote, national hero if that person did so. Now, there was a second call to another elections official in your state to, quote, find the fraud. Well, I was pleased to see that uh, this kind of pressuring of our secretary of state was added to the articles of impeachment. NBC News confirming a Washington Post report revealing that President Trump placed a separate call to Georgia election officials, pressuring them to, and I quote, find the fraud while trying to overturn the results there. Late last month, the president called Georgia's lead elections investigator, urging them to, quote, find the fraud. This was first reported by the Washington Post. Now we are also learning of another call, first reported by the Washington Post and confirmed by our colleague Jason Morris, uh, that the president called one of these uh, investigators in the state of Georgia who was investigating election fraud uh, and urged him to, quote, find the fraud uh, and also uh, encouraging him that he would become a national hero if indeed he did find evidence of voter fraud in that state. Okay, so there you go. That's the way it went down. You probably you all heard that came from the Washington Post. President Trump, you know, calls the chief investigator, Frances Watson, who happens to be a woman, by the way, they got that part wrong. She was the chief investigator for the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, and he told her to find the fraud, and if she did, she would be a national hero. They all repeated it. Remember that? Well, here's the deal. The problem is that they just found the audio. Brad Raffensperger said they didn't have the audio. They just... I didn't know where that was. They, I don't know what happened, but um, they found it. They found it. In the last few days, they found the full audio. And so uh, the Washington Post had to correct their mis-dis, 
lying information because they had the recording. They knew what was said on the recording. The The Wall Street Journal just published the entire recording. That is not at all what President Trump said. So let me read the Washington Post correction. It helps so much that they corrected the the record now, right? Because they used this again in the articles of impeachment against President Trump. They used it to, you know, drum up uh, uh, opposition probably to Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. I'm just guessing that, but I can only imagine. They used it in any way they could, meaning the left used it uh, as this proof that Donald Trump was trying to interfere with the election. Uh, It was uh, spreading confusion, which is what the left That's what they major in. That's what they're so good at. So the Washington Post, you know, in righteous, uh, well, because they had to, because they found that recording in a trash, it was on some computer in some trash area. Here's the correction. Two months after publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top elections investigator. The recording revealed that the Post- misquoted Trump's comments on the call. This is the Post correcting themselves. The Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say that she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the most important job in the country right now. So wait a second. Instead of saying that, uh, sh- telling her she needed to find the fraud, which inferred that, uh, just find it, whatever you can find, find some fraud. And that's not what he said. Uh, he said that, you, please look into Fulton County and you will find dishonesty there. Actually, there's more to what he said. Um, and he, he didn't tell her she'd be a national hero. He said, you have the most important job in the country right now. And she did. That's when things were coming down to the wire. And so uh, Francis Watson, who is the chief investigator for Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, said uh, immediately when this happened that that's not the way it went down. But no one printed that. No one repeated that. Uh, we've got, um, I've got her words saying that that never happened. The president didn't tell me to find the fraud. Uh, but you never heard that, did you? But the Washington Post has issued their correction. And, you know, that just proves right there uh, what a high-minded um, uh, journalistic operation they are. So let me just... Um, there are lots of quotes, you know, that came out from the media. Also, not just the television media, but also print media. And they all referred to the Washington Post. They all <laughs> repeated the lies that the Washington Post had printed. And so um, Frances Watson, she was interviewed by WSB-TV, the station that first uncovered the audio of the call, and she said she didn't feel that there was any pressure placed on her by the president's call. Okay, so now that's the record has been set straight. Vernon Jones, who is the Democratic uh, state Congress, state de- legislator, in um, a black guy, you've seen him on television a lot, he's uh, he's still a Democrat, but he has been very, very upset about what's happened in Georgia. And he is he's tweeting, now it's been uncovered that the Georgia Secretary of State released a deceptively edited recording of the president in an attempt to embarrass him and mislead the public. He should resign immediately. Other people are still speculating. What in the world's going on in Georgia? What happened with Brad Raffensperger and also the, uh, the, the, the governor, Kemp? What happened to them? 
What happened to them? Why did they do this? Why did they cooperate with this? I don't think anyone really knows yet, but uh, here's an interesting story companion that came out yesterday. This is in uh, the Epoch Times by Jack Phillips. A Georgia judge might unseal Fulton County absentee ballots for fraud investigation. Well, isn't this over? Didn't they recount those ballots and find that there was nothing to see? Of course, the experts down there, including Cleta Mitchell, who was stationed down there, said that they did not do a proper count. They just counted what they'd counted already. They did not look to see uh, where the fraud might have taken place, which was not in exactly what they were checking. So a judge has said that he might unseal absentee ballots in the state's Fulton County, because remember, those that's the one, the county, that President Trump was asking the, the uh, Secretary of State Raffensperger's uh, chief investigator to look into. Please look into Fulton. We don't need you to look in that other county. Look into Fulton, because that's where the problem is. But they didn't do that, as far as we know. So this judge is saying he might uh, order those ballots unsealed. So I don't know what to say about that. You know, you just don't know what's going on here. Uh, but uh, that's what's happening in Georgia, and that's uh, that's kind of the, the catch-up on that. It's just, it's just it continues to be uh, a mess. I know that Georgia is trying to pass a really strong bill that will secure their elections. It's passed in the Georgia House, and now it's in the Senate, and we'll see what they do. Surely that's a no-brainer to try to tighten things up so that they never have this happen again. How embarrassing for Georgians, and how confusing. How can you operate a state that way? You can't. And so um, that's, that's what's happening in Georgia. All right, so, of course, I'm always talking about COVID because I think it's one of the biggest frauds of our lifetime and it's still a problem all over the world. And so Jake Tapper was talking to Dr. Fauci, and of course, here he goes. I find, I'm going to, before I even play this for you, I find myself wondering. I know Dr. Fauci is like supposed to be the guru of COVID, but I find myself wondering after hearing him stumble so much if he really is all that bright. I know that's a, yeah, that's a judgment call, but I want you to listen to this. This is Dr. Fauci talking with Jake Tapper about children going back to school. Uh, because of the COVID restrictions. Here's clip three. Discrepancy, some places, some health organizations say three feet or a meter is enough. But here in the United States, we say right. six feet. There's this new study from researchers in Massachusetts just out this week. It found no significant difference in coronavirus spreading in schools where there was six feet of distancing versus three feet of distancing. But that six right. foot requirement, that's one of the main hurdles to reopening schools. Right. Does this study suggest right. to you that and three feet is good enough? It does indeed. And that's exactly the point I'm making, Chuck. What the CDC wants to do is they want to accumulate data. And when the data shows that there is an ability to be three feet, they will act accordingly. They have clearly noted those data. They are, in fact, doing studies themselves. And when the data are just analyzed, and it's going to be soon. I mean, Jake, you're asking the right questions. And the CDC is very well aware that data are accumulating, making it look more like three feet are okay under certain circumstances. They're analyzing that, and I can assure you within a reasonable period of time, quite reasonable, they will be giving guidelines according to the data that they have. Yeah, so... So they have this data, but uh, they can't, uh, you know, it'll be a while, but they will look at that data. They're aware of that data, and, uh, you know, maybe they'll have to change it, but, you know, they have to look at the science and the data. This is what he says all the time. It just, isn't it becoming tiresome? 
even for those of you who are less concerned about COVID or more concerned about it than I am and masking and all the social distancing, doesn't it concern you that this man just rambles and says the same sound bites every time and that he changes his mind consistently? It bothers me tremendously. And I don't, I, the trust that's been placed in him is a travesty. It's just a travesty. I want to talk about schools for a second. California schools, we now know from memos that have been shared that they are discussing using that COVID money. Remember that $1.9 trillion American rescue plan to rescue America from COVID? Uh, that has you know only 9% spent on COVID. Well, some of this COVID money, some of that 9% is going to go to schools because they've suffered so much. Teachers have suffered so much. So in California schools, they're talking about giving bonuses to teachers and staff, cash bonuses up to $6,000 per employee because they've suffered so much. Uh, they, they deserve extra money. And then in other, other uh, districts in California, they're talking about um, they're encouraging trips to Hawaii and all kinds of like special perks for teachers and administrators because they've suffered so much under the ravages of COVID, not teaching and staying at home. So, um, so that's how the 9% of the American Rescue Plan, the $1.9 trillion plan is being used. Uh, but, but don't worry about schools because, you know, the teachers' unions – have everything in hand. They're so concerned about your students uh, that the Chicago Teachers Union is telling its members not to reveal if they've received the COVID vaccine. Oh, don't tell them. Don't tell them because Lori Lightfoot is trying to figure out if teachers look. You know how I feel about vaccinations. I'm very concerned, but I still have to tell this in the context. They're pushing teachers to get the vaccinations so they can get back to school so the kids can be in the classroom again. But now the Teachers Union is telling members don't tell, don't tell the government if you've had that COVID vaccine. And so uh, that's that, there's that. And then here's a couple of things from Daniel Horowitz. Great articles. He says, the biggest COVID lie right now, no immunity from prior infection. And Daniel goes through and uh, cites all of these national and international studies to show that's just not true. Immunity is there, and it's certainly there for children. He goes on to talk about that. So it's not just adults. Uh, if you've had COVID, and I think 30% of Americans, it's estimated, have had it. Uh, you pretty, you have, uh, look, there could be an exception. But for the most part, you have immunity. You have immunity from those uh, other strains of COVID that are coming out as well. And children certainly have it too. But still, we have to wear masks and stay separated, right? Well, we're going to go to England right now and talk about what they're experiencing over there. Because I think it's worse than what we're experiencing here. Sandy Rios in the morning. Christians. They're suffering big time in Africa, and they need our help. Hi, this is Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Pastor Lumo ministers in Mozambique near the Indian Ocean. He's been beaten in jail not for what he believes, but for how he lives out his faith. You see, Lumo has been quietly and faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims, and many have come to Christ in recent months. But extremists here, they have assaulted him, his family, and many in his church. But you know what? They're not asking for an end to the persecution they face. They're praying for Bibles to open and read every day, in order to be able to endure and persevere as new followers of Christ. Hey, give thanks if your pastor hasn't been beaten in jail, but please don't turn a deaf ear to these pleas for Bibles. Instead, help support the church in Africa by sending a Bible to these waiting Christians at only $5 a Bible or $100 sins 20. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or visit sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for caring. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Charles Reddick, Commissioner of Internal Revenue. Mr. Reddick oversees administration and management of revenue and tax-related laws in the United States, while also serving as an advisor to the President. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of wise counsel. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Charles Reddick as he advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Join us as we pray for God's guidance for the President and his administration. It's the 100 Days of Prayer. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Virginia teachers, take the lead in education with up to 64% off your graduate degree at Liberty University. This year has forced you to innovate, adapt, overcome, and you've not only risen to the challenge, you've crushed it. Now help education emerge from this crisis stronger than ever with your MAT or MED degree. Our transfer-friendly degree programs are 100% online and start as low as $282 per credit hour. It's our thanks for all you do for our future. To learn more, text TEACHER to 49595. That's TEACHER to 49595. Costco revoked the membership of a Texas woman who refused to wear a face mask while shopping. Angela Sladnovic said she had shopped at Costco for much of last year without wearing a face covering, claims to have a medical exemption. However, Costco said that was no excuse and made her wear a face shield, which she did. But a few weeks later, she noticed other customers shopping barefaced, so she decided to do the same. Well, a Costco manager saw what she did and immediately revoked her membership. Now, Now, in fairness, Costco has a right to determine the conduct of their members. They can force customers to wear shoes, pants, even face coverings. You may not agree with the rule, but it's their rule. However, you do have a right to buy your tubs of Cheetos and bulk supplies of toilet paper somewhere else. My recommendation, shop at a grocery store that's not run by Nazi brown shirts. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Cut the registration number. You can take the registration number. Yes. We didn't commit any crime. Listen to me. I tell you something. We have enough. We've been living in these conditions yeah. for almost a year, okay? I am crying every single day. I am crying, okay? Yeah. So it's essential for my It is essential for my mental well-being to go for a walk. If you're... No, 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 I don't care. Stop it. Stop, stop it right stop now. Stop shouting at me or I'm going to arrest you. Keep shouting at me and I'm going to arrest you. Are you going to listen you're to me or not? You are harassing us. Okay, at the moment you're under arrest, okay? Because okay. you're refusing to provide details. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're breaching the regulations. Christ. Do arrest. Breaching you, coronavirus legislation. Mm. You've got a great job. We can just deal with it by the ticket. Why? Why do because I have you to breach the my COVID th- regulations? The COVID laws have been broken by you travelling. What about my human rights? What about my mental well-being? Everyone is suffering at the moment. Yes, everyone is suffering. Yeah. Officers as well. My brother was dying in a hospital in Poland. Pardon? My brother was dying in a hospital in yeah. Poland. Okay. And because of the COVID re- regulations, I wasn't allowed to go home and be with him. Okay. And be with my family. Okay, but if we could have just so had- for my mental well-being, yes, Listen, the walk I'm is essential. 
That was a a clip we played played for you a couple of weeks ago. That was a couple in Wales who were trying to walk. They were just walking outside. And two female police officers, uh, you heard the the interaction, at least most of it. They took the husband, arrested him. Uh, They did a strip search. They wouldn't let him go to the restroom. It was just a nightmare for this couple. And she described, as you heard her, that her brother had just died and she wasn't able to go uh, be with him because of the COVID restrictions, and you just heard it. I mean, this is this this is not uh, a, a, you know a science fiction drama. We have seen in our own country uh, how people ha- are out of their minds. Uh, it's just amazing. It reminds me very much of uh, Elijah Weasel's book, The Sunflower, when he talked about when he was in a Nazi concentration camp. That the thing that struck him, it wasn't like these wicked, horrific monsters who became. Uh, the guards who mistreated people. It was the baker, the butcher, the school teacher. It was the average citizen who turned into a monster when given that kind of power over other people's lives. Well, we think we, uh, I think we have it bad here. I, this has driven me crazy, but it's nothing like what they're experiencing in the UK. Uh, and so, uh, in, uh, th- so this is actually a fun thing and a serious thing. We have a listener who listens every day from the UK. She's in Suffolk, England. She and her husband are over there. He's, it's a military assignment for him. And she contacted us when I asked for uh, listeners to let us know what they liked about the show. It was so nice to hear from her. And so I, I've asked her to join us this morning. Her name is Jessie Reining, uh, and she's in Suffolk, England. Jessie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Jessie, just a couple of questions. Now, I don't want you to get your husband in trouble by saying too much here. But um, how, how how big is the military base in Suffolk? Um, I, well, there's actually three bases, um, and they call it the Tri-Base Region. Um, and there's right around 33,000 people, Americans, um, or people tied to the bases. What What is the mission there in England? I mean, like, they're, they're certainly an ally, so mm-hmm. I'm assuming this has to do with pre- preparation for defense in other areas of the world. Can mm-hmm. you say anything about that? Uh, that's correct, basically. Um, one of the bases is more of a training base. Um, my husband is um, affiliated with RAF Mildenhall, um, which is a refueling wing. Um, so any of the planes that would fly around um, Europe area, they help refuel most of them up in the air. So um, my husband's part of the ground team, so he works on anything that hooks up to the airplanes. Okay. Jesse, how long have you been there? Uh, we've been here uh, two years, and we have All right, two more so, to go. Okay, four-year assignment. It's a long time, isn't it? Uh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. Okay, so, uh, Jesse, I, I don't know if you've heard me. I'm not sure I've said this on the air, but um, I, with my first husband, we were based in Berlin, Germany. That's why I li- the reason I mm-hmm. live there. So I, I, I know things have changed a lot since then, but I have some experience living uh, a military life overseas. So I'm kind of envisioning, is your husband an officer? He's not. He's enlisted. Okay, so do you guys live on the economy, as they call it? Um, No, actually, we were fortunate enough to get on the base. So that's been really nice. Um, We have a little more freedom, um, at least for, you know, for the kids being able to walk around a little more. Um, And in in the last year when we were told that we could go out for one exercise, walk a day, or whatever, um, you know, we could let the kids maybe take two or three, you know. We could walk around the, the block here and there a little more. I think that helped a lot. Um, oh, sure. We wouldn't be able to do if we were off base. So. Well, actually, let me, yeah, let me ask you, um, before COVID struck and the COVID restrictions <laughs> struck, 
What was Suffolk like? I mean, what is it like, and what were you able, what were you doing? What was your lifestyle there? Sure. Uh, well, we homeschool, and one of the main reasons we do that is because we want to see what's around us. Um, so every week or every couple weeks, we would just go to a museum or go to a historic site and learn about it first and then get that hands-on experience. So, you know, we could drive three hours and see something we would never be able to see if we weren't fortunate enough to be stationed here. Um, so we were on the go a lot. Um, and seeing all of these great places, we have this opportunity to see. Um, and so very much traveling and um, we like to camp, so we would go camping all the time um, and just kind of seeing the world, as they say. <laughs> all right, so so now then, uh, contrast that with what when these COVID restrictions came in, I was, I'm sure if you were listening, we had, had a front row seat to that. Katie Hopkins joined us a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And Great Britain locked down, I think, in many ways yeah. worse than the United States. So describe that for us. Yeah. So um, we've been in one form of another of lockdown for almost a year now, basically. Um, there was some lightening of it in the summer, and we w- were able to go a little bit. Um, but at that point, um, we weren't able to leave our basically our county um, at certain points. So stay local. So at that point, you could still go walk in your local woods or, um, you know, do any of your, the things that you wanted to do locally. With this last lockdown, I believe about the, a little after the first of the year, most of that stuff was also shut down. So, and we were hearing stories of people getting fined because they didn't stay local enough. So, we are about five miles from one of the forestry commission places, and so we would just drive out there, park, and go walk around for a while. So, if so, they never really put an explanation of how local is local. Just stay local, only get out for your exercise and for your necessities. And when we started hearing the stories of people getting fined because they drove to go for a walk, you know, we were scared. Are, are, should we go drive to the forest? It's only five miles away. You know, is, is that too far to go? You just don't know, especially when you hear people that have been fined for driving to go for a walk. You know, it, so it was kind of like that anxiety of, am I breaking the law? I don't think so, but do they think so? And so even the f- losing those freedoms of being able to go, I don't know, half hour, is that too far? You just don't know. Yes, and we should point out that uh, we, the clip we played from Wales, that's all UK. My son who's in Scotland, mm-hmm. that's UK as well. So they're experiencing the yep. same thing. And uh, you homeschool your kids. How many do you have? Mm-hmm. We have three, um, 11, 8, and 6. Okay. Well, they're about the same kind of uh, as my grandkids. They're tw- mine are 12, I don't know, don't ask me in this moment, 12 down to <laughs> three. <fine. laughs> yeah, 12 down to yep. three. And they're homeschooled as well. But, you know, they're, ho- they're mm-hmm. homebound. They hardly get out at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. just, uh, it's, been, it's been horrific. Really, my son is in school and... Um, He's a very social person, and he's a you know te- mm-hmm. professor, teacher. That's what he's training to be, and that's what he is. Can't interact mm-hmm. with the students. It's just um, I, I'm you yeah. alluded to this, but I'm curious um, what distinctions does the American military give you? So you said you have more freedom on the base, but what are what? How do their restrictions compare to the country that you're living in? Well, the we have to follow all the local guidelines. We can't 
we can't go by the American guidelines. Um, so in that in itself is actually hard. Seeing our friends in the states being able to do a lot more that we than we can do. Um, so we follow all the rules that are laid down by our by the the um, the country that we're living in. Um, but again, they understand our base understands that we're under a lot more pressure than the normal person. We have no one around us. Yeah. If we're if we're even you know sad or whatever, we can't just hop on the phone and call my mom because it's a six-hour time difference. See, so even that type of thing adds, you know, more stress to people's lives, lives here. Um, so, like I said, they would, they didn't wear, it was very much um, the laws where you go out one time a day for your exercise. They mm-hmm. didn't make us stay in the way that people were being watched off base as much. Yeah. Um, well. So leeway in that way was really nice to know that I can go out a second time and not sure. not worry about being fined. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, I mean, it is a big deal. I mean, we yeah. just uh, we are not created to be locked in a cage, and that's why again they punish yeah. people. That's how they punish them when they've done a crime. Uh, they mm-hmm. they lock them away and they can't get out. And it's just it's just amazing yeah. to me. I tell you what, I I was so shocked that Boris Johnson. Uh, did whatever he did, mm-hmm. the about face. I know you can't talk about politics, so let's don't talk about that. But I was just very <laughs> disappointed in him. I did not expect that. Um, do you have a decent PX and commissary so that you can shop and get groceries? Yes, we are very lucky. Um, and we do most of our shopping on the economy, just with food purity laws. We enjoy their food a lot more. Um, but we are able to ha- go to a good commissary and a good exchange. And I was actually going to say that, too. Um, all of the clothing stores shut down here. That because it was only the essentials were allowed to be open during the lockdown. So, like, in the middle of the lockdown, my kids all went up a shoe size. You know, so we kind of had to either order online or hope that our exchange had the right sizes. And stuff like that is little frustrations that you don't even think of until you're in this lockdown mentality. And you go, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get my kids clothes at? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Well, and think about the people that do live there. How are, how are they doing that? You know, you yeah. got that, the PX yeah. uh, and the commissary. Um, uh, I'm, uh, we're going to run out of time here, and I don't want to. I'm curious to know if you have a, de- a good place to worship and how that's working out. Well, um, we do. We found a great place off base, um, that wonderful, wonderful home church. But, again, they're shut down, um, and we haven't been um, to our home church here um, in about a year. Uh, they've been doing the YouTube videos with the sermon. Um, the chapel has been able to stay open here and there, um, but again, they they sometimes get a little politically correct, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, no, I know. The well, chapel- the cha- oh, the chaplains when we didn't that, this, we could not. Our chaplains were yes, they were so watered down. It was and, just, just kind of worthless. So we didn't go. To and of course, there's good either. people in all of it. Yes, but yes, again, of course. it's not when you found a very biblically based church and you're you fit in. It's 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 no um, replacement for it. <laughs> right, exactly. No, and you find uh, but there are st- such wonderful believers in England. One of my dearest mm-hmm. friends is Scottish, and she was my mentor when I was 21 years old in Berlin. She used to start, do a start our Bible study with "Speak, Lord, in the stillness, while we wait on <laughs> Thee, and uh, uh, trust our hearts." What, what, now, I can't remember the last phrase, but with expectancy, but all the rolled R's. Uh, yep. Anyway, Morag is still a very dear friend of mine. I met her in Berlin, but she's from Scotland. So you meet wonderful people all over the globe who love yes, the Lord Jesus. And I'm sure that's what you've yes, experienced. You, you listen through the app, right? The AFR Talk app? I do. 
Yeah. I do. Uh, how in the world did you figure that out, Jesse? I mean, how did you know about AFA or AFR? Well, we're from Minnesota originally, but we were stationed in Arkansas for like nine years. Um, and they've got a local um, AFR station down there. So that's where I first tuned in, um, was down there. And then they always say on the radio station, if you can't get it, you've got the app. And so when we moved over here, I just prayed and prayed and prayed that the app would work. <laughs> no, it did, I, well, so. It's a lifeline, isn't it? I mean, oh, I'm putting words it in really your mouth. Is. But I mean, even in terms no, of... No, it work. really is. Because people <laughs> yeah. don't realize that all the media is censored over here. So we can't just tune in and hear what's going on in the world, really. It's all from the government's point of view. Yes. So it really is a lifeline to have it. Yeah. I would also say if you, uh, well, you've probably discovered this, but personally, Jesse, I listen on Sunday mornings. I listen, uh, well, be a good time for you. I listen at 6 o'clock in the morning here, Eastern Standard, because uh, they have the most beautiful, uh, beautiful music uh, call to worship at 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern Standard. Mm-hmm. And then they go into all of these wonderful pastors. And, you know, if you can't yeah. make it to church, it's, it's just a, I wish uh, we need to get the word out to more people overseas uh, because we mm-hmm. all need each other right now. We need to hear the word, and I it agree. just emboldens. Armed Forces Network, yeah. I used to listen to that all the time. Is it still decent? On which one was that? I'm sorry. Armed Forces Network. That used to be our radio, uh, you know, all around in Europe. was uh, mm-hmm. We had a radio station, the military, Armed Forces Network. We Yep, we can access it some, um, but it, it doesn't always come in, so so it's not re- a reliable source. Okay, um, so the anymore. app works. <laughs> well, the app works better. Well, uh, Jesse, uh, we just have yeah. a minute left. How can we? How can people pray for you and your family? Well, I would say for all the military people, um, let alone the people stationed overseas, just that more chaplains are able to stand up and minister to their people. Um, and that all the military people will be able to access somewhere how we found a local church um, that they can get to know God. Yes, that's really well, the biggest comfort. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. That is that's the 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 essential, the the uh, non negotiable, mm-hmm. important that it makes you able to handle this isolation. I know it's miserable, yeah. and it's hard on your children. But honestly, uh, we know that God is faithful through all kinds of suffering, and this is suffering of a sort, yep. and for preparation for worse suffering, perhaps, you know, in the military, you, you lay it all on the line. Jesse, God bless you and your family. Tell your husband we are so grateful for his service, and, uh, and let's keep in touch, okay? Okay, Jesse Rining, American military in Suffolk, England, and a listener. It's what, a, what a gift. Thank you. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Being filled up with our own ways and ourself and our agenda, and uh, we can make a mess of life, and uh, that's not a lot to walk away with positively. Be satisfied with the Lord and set your priorities on the things above. Exploring the Word, weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. 
For a fool speaks nonsense, and his heart inclines toward wickedness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. During an interview on MSNBC's All In, House Majority Whip James Clyburn argued for special exceptions to the filibuster rule in the U.S. Senate when it comes to civil rights legislation. He specifically said protected classes are treated specially. The filibuster ought not to apply to benefits and other issues surrounding protective classes. What does that clear the way for, folks? The Equality Act. The U.S. Senate will see a push to skirt the filibuster and pass the Equality Act because it seeks to include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes in U.S. civil rights law. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Ryan Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. The Bible says God made man male and female. That means two genders and two genders only. And by God's creative design, they are different in every single cell of their anatomy. This explains why female soldiers simply cannot perform as well on fitness tests as their male counterparts. 65% of women fail the Army combat fitness test, while just 10% of men do because of differences in muscle mass, lung capacity, and stamina. The Army is trying to find a way, quote, to make it fair to both genders. Well, the test is as fair as it is possible to be. Both genders take exactly the same test. Ignoring the biological and genetic reality of God's creation is not fair either to men or women and will only compromise military readiness, and that's not fair to everyone in the United States. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Biden administration officials are holding important meetings this month that present much-needed opportunities to address the growing threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. A lot is riding on these conversations. The readout from one the president held Friday with key allied leaders was not encouraging. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan signaled that it wasn't about their common adversary, the CCP. Instead, the discussion focused on managing the pandemic it unleashed on all of us, Burma and climate change. The Chinese communists are likely to perceive such consultations as confirmation that the Biden team will submit to China's ascendancy. Before they meet with Chinese counterparts this week in Alaska, American officials should review a powerful two-hour TV special about the CCP's war against us that Steve Bannon and I co-hosted on Saturday. I urge you to do the same at BannonsWarRoom.com. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Actually, the facts are these. There are more children, uh, about six, seven hundred more children, unaccompanied children coming o- over the border. Uh, the, uh, this is a humanitarian challenge to all of us. Uh, What the administration has inherited is a broken system at the border, and they are working to correct that in the children's interest. I'm so pleased that the president, as a temporary measure, has sent FEMA to the border in order to help facilitate the children going from one 72-hour issue into where they are cared for as they are transferred into family homes or 
homes that are safe for them to be. Uh, so this, again, is a, a transition for what was wrong before uh, to what is right. Of course, we have to also look to uh, Central America and Mexico and the rest. The corruption, the violence, uh, all of that so bad. My most recent trip to the Northern Triangle, that would be Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, you saw the impact of the climate change, mind you. These people were leaving because of the drought. They couldn't farm, and they were seeking other ways to survive. So there are many reasons that go into this, but the fact is we have to deal with it uh, at the border. And many of the people, some of the people coming there are seeking asylum. And uh, I always like to quote our friends in the evangelical movement, at one of our rump hearings we had before we had the majority, uh, uh, the representative said to us, the United States Refugee Resettlement Program is the crown jewel of American humanitarianism. So we have certain responsibilities that we must honor. We have to have a system uh, that accommodates that, and that is what the Biden administration is in the process of doing. Okay, so thank you, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. It's the crown jewel. Uh, we know who, which ev- evangelicals said that. We have a pretty good idea. The evangelical immigration table, you know, funded by George Soros. It's the crown jewel of America to let everyone come across the border without any testing uh, from disease, to let people come in from hostile nations. We know that there are tons of those uh, coming into this country through the cartels, to let the cartels make money hand over fist and actually control the border, which is what's happening right now, to allow uh, what will likely be, people are predicting a million people to come into the country this year alone, five million in the next few years, without any kind of restraint. That's the crown jewel of American foreign policy. But of course, the reason that people are coming across, uh, assures Nancy Pelosi assures us, is because of, you know, climate change. If we could just uh, stop, you know, the climate from changing, all these people wouldn't be coming across the border. You know, if it were not so dangerous and insidious, uh, we need a laugh track. But there's a mayor who is from Arizona who was interviewed last night, uh, Mayor Chris Riggs of, um, I think it's called Gila Bend. I'm not sure, Gila Bend? Uh, in Ar- yeah, uh, in Arizona. And uh, he had a few things to say about what he's experiencing. Let's listen. We're a very economically depressed community. We can barely afford to take care of the people that we have here in our community now. And as of uh, the second, Border Patrol advised us they're basically going to drop people off here and do sort of like this, and they're your problem. And we just do not have the ability to care for these people And quite frankly, it's going to cost us tens of thousands of dollars a year to be able just to provide them with a bottle of water and a sandwich um, when they get dropped off. Because they're not able to give us how many. They can't give us what the background on these people are. They can't tell us what their health issues are. I've got a lot of seniors and elders here uh, between Gila Bend and our San Lucie village that are very susceptible to COVID. And now you're gonna drop people off here and we haven't had seen the outbreak that other areas in Arizona have seen. We are completely in the dark and we've asked documentation, some kind of documentation, give us something and we're still not getting anything. And now we're seeing just 
in the past few weeks, we've seen a, a big increase in foot traffic coming in through Gila Bend. I'm seeing uh, drug mules like I've never seen before go through our desert. Um, it needs to stop. You're seeing people from the African continent, you're seeing people from the Middle East, you're seeing people from Asia, you're seeing a mix of people. And this is another big concern that we have is not just COVID-19, but any other disease that can be brought in here because they're not getting tested, they're not giving us any kind of documentation. So it puts my community at risk and quite frankly, I was elected to worry about Gila Bend, not about anything outside of Gila Bend, and I need to focus on this community. All right, so that's the mayor, Mayor Chris Riggs of Gila Bend, Arizona, and of course that's the crown jewel of American foreign policy, putting those seniors at risk um, of all kinds of disease and making them with, I think he said in that clip, he did say in the longer clip, that they were uh, not a wealthy community. They're not a wealthy group of seniors. They're disadvantaged in some ways, but now they have to cope with all of this. But that's the crown jewel. That's the way it should be, right? That's that's what it means to help people of the world, right? We put our own families at risk. And uh, I just, you know, that's something that you can do. Like if you choose to do that um, in your life, if you choose to give so generously that you hurt yourself or your family, uh, that's that's a decision that you can make. But to force that on people... Uh, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And we will be, we'll be talking about the border, border now more. I haven't spoken about it very much just because there's so many other things happening. But we will do that with a, on a different day. We'll do it more extensively. All right, so um, I want to go back to what's happening after January 6th because that's an area of great interest to you and to me. Uh, this is uh, from a friend of mine. This was just a few days ago, four days ago. Just came back from an afternoon drive uh, in downtown D.C. My spirit was crushed. Capitol Hill is surrounded by a double row of fencing with MRAPs and poor National Guard troops stationed around. You wouldn't even see this in Russia or China. It's so silly. There are no mobs surrounding the Hill. No theatrics of this speak volumes of the complete disrespect the people we, we elected have for us. Stop defunding the police and take down the wall. It's lunacy. For those of us who have put our lives on the line for the preservation of this great national experiment called the United States, what our politicians in D.C. have done is a, uh, I'm not sure if this is the word he meant, is a shonda for our nation. They have brought great shame on our nation in front of the world. It's the truth. It's the absolute truth. And uh, I mentioned to you that another friend told me that they have uh, pulled the soldiers back 100 feet from the fence so that people can't talk to them anymore. And uh, that's how uh, they people found out that the soldiers have been fed, you know, horrible things, and even with metal shavings in their food. Uh, also, they, didn't, they don't have any ammunition. Lots of them have talked about how it's just a big psyop. In other words, just a big, it's a big psyop against, um, against the public. And uh, so, but now they've been moved back so that they can't talk to people. And in light of that, now the Justice Department came out with a report. This is dated the 12th, so it's four days ago also. This is the Washington Post spin on it. Justice Department calls January 6th Capitol attack probe one of the largest in U.S. history. Expects at least 400 to be charged. 
U.S. prosecutors on Friday sketched out the gargantuan scope of the investigation in the January 6th Capitol breach, asking for courts to delay most cases by at least two months after being pressed by a handful of defendants and some judges to speed up trials and plea offers. The investigation and prosecution of the Capitol attack will likely be one of the largest in American history, both in terms of the number of defendants prosecuted and the nature and volume of the evidence, the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. wrote. Uh, One of the highest-profile defendants is Thomas Caldwell of Virginia. I believe he's. they think that he's part of Oath Keepers, which they are particularly peaked at. They're really going after them with a vengeance. Uh, And uh, his attorney is saying that he was... They, uh, his attorney is saying they, they, there's no evidence that Thomas Caldwell entered the Capitol or that he was planning to do so that day. Charges have been brought against 312 people and are expected against at least 100 more. Uh, investigators have executed more than 900 electronic and physical search warrants, amassed more than 15,000 hours of law enforcement surveillance and body camera video, 1,600 electronic devices, and 210,000 tips. All right, so then it goes on to talk about how 100 federal prosecutors are working full or part-time, including 30 detailed from U.S. attorneys' offices around the country. I wonder who they chose for this assignment. You suppose there was a litmus test like there is now in the Pentagon for officers and members of the National Guard who are guarding D.C.? Was there a litmus test for, I bet there was. Maybe just word of mouth, this guy would be good, wink, wink, and a nod. So they're working uh, to make sure that they, you know, do a sweep of the uh, – you know, the terrorists that came to support President Trump on January the 6th after that election. We already already talked about the lies that took place uh, after the Georgia uh, fiasco, election fiasco, the lies that were told about what President Trump did when he called the Secretary of State's uh, chief investigator. Uh, so we know that there are things about that election that are just, well, a little strange and a little off-putting. One might want to get to the bottom of it, but no— Uh, The people that actually wanted to get to the bottom of it and actually marched to the Capitol, some of them just thinking, I know they did because we've had people call and say, and this is what I thought too going into that, that because the Senate and the House were convening in a joint session and uh, some senators were going to bring up uh, that we need this two-hour rule, there is a rule, there's a provision for this, to consider the evidence and to do not certify this first slate of electors until we've actually looked at the evidence that there might have been fraud in these, uh, I think, some six states. Uh, but no, you can't. That's a, that's a big lie. Why, that's a big lie. There are people that are being actually, you know, <clears throat> restrained by the FBI and interrogated uh, by the FBI because whether about that, whether they believe that, that the election was not, you know, exactly as it should be and that Joe Biden is not the duly elected president. You can't think that because that's like, that's dangerous, folks. And so, uh, they are, you know, now prosecuting all these people. I can't, I've looked at so many. I wonder if they're going to look at any of the video that I've seen. Because I've been looking at a lot of video. I've seen the video. I've seen some that looks really bad. I've also seen some where the, uh, the, the Capitol Police are welcoming the people, opening the doors, uh, kind of saying, I'm with you. I, see, I saw a lot of that. There are a lot of doors to the Capitol. And then they maybe they I wonder if they're going to examine what happened that Nancy Pelosi did nothing, did not order National Guard troops, uh, did not uh, order any extra protection. Did anyone see that video? Anybody in the FBI of uh, the you know the guy with the the furry hat and the horns coming down the aisle at the empty chamber in the House 
Uh, and uh, the policeman standing there watching them all and saying, now you guys be careful. Don't hurt any, just don't, just be careful. I wonder if they saw that, because I saw that. But uh, but no, no, all these people that went to January 6th uh, uh, to the rally for whatever reason are cr- potential criminals. And so that, you know, they must be punished for the way they were thinking on that day. And if they went into the Capitol, even though they might have been invited uh, by Capitol Police, uh, it's, uh, you know, they found no one with any weapons, not not guns, no guns. I think this 18-year-old kid had a baton he took. By the way, um, if you go to D.C. right now with Antifa and Black Lives Matter running around the streets, you know, you kind of, you're not supposed to have a gun, but you might want some protection, just saying. And I think that's probably uh, what a lot of people were thinking. But no, no, there's this odious plan to go in and, you know, harm congressmen and senators. That's what we're being sort of inferred. It's being inferred. And so they're going after people with a vengeance. And of course, uh, the newly minted Attorney General Merrick Garland, in his testimony before the Senate, called the investigation into the Capitol insurrection a top priority. Not so much Antifa or Black Lives Matter and um, what they're doing in Seattle and Portland and, and Minnesota and other places. No, not, no. I don't, I haven't heard of any investigations of that. Have you? When I talked to Andy No a couple of weeks ago, and by the way, if you missed that uh, interview, it was really terrific. Just look back in the uh, the, the archives of the podcast to, to listen to it. Uh, I don't think anyone's been prosecuted in Antifa that I know of. I don't know of anyone. Black Lives Matter, I don't know of anyone. Burning down, even killing people. The, the Antifa killed a man. We saw it. You could see it on video if you'd care to like pull that up. Uh, so they're after people with a vengeance. Uh, they've att- have arrested two guys <coughs> for and are now in the process of trying to charge them with murder over the death of uh, police officer uh, Brian Sicknick, uh, who his family said they think he died of a stroke. They're not sure. Brian himself said he, <clears throat> he was fine the night of the... Um, uh, the incursion into the Capitol. We understand he was a Trump supporter, actually. But now they've uh, they've decided that these two men uh, uh, shot bear spray at him, and that might be the cause of death. They're desperate to find someone they can charge with the murder of Brian Sicknick because they inferred it was a murder, but it turned out not to be. But now they're going to make sure that they can find that it is. That's the way it is right now. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.